I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot. Scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. So welcome back to the Mr. Beacon podcast. This week uh, we are transcending the uh, Atlantic from here in San Diego to Amsterdam. Uh, I'm talking to Bastien de Groot, who is the CEO of Ingi, who are a smart lighting company. And we're going to be talking about smart buildings, smart cities, um, some of the uh, disruptive power of lighting, both from a business point of view and from an environmental uh, point of view. So, uh, Bastian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, so just before we launch in, I want to give uh, what's becoming a, uh, a, a regular shout out to Starbucks. Uh, not for their great coffee, which I enjoy, not for the fact that they provide me my office space whenever I'm on the road, uh, but they have this amazing program uh, for young adults um, on the autism spectrum, and they are providing them jobs. One of them is my son, and it's been transformational. So um, no exchange of funds here, no sponsorship. I just really want to thank the folks at Starbucks for, uh, um, for that. It's a wonderful thing. That's All right. Classic. So that's, my, uh, <laughs> that's our commercial <laughs> break. Actually, I think there are other commercial breaks, depending on where you listen to this too. So thanks for having that extra one. Uh, so Bastian, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You're CEO of this Dutch um, lighting company. Uh, you've worked at Philips. When, when did you first get passionate about lighting? Um, when I got passionate about it, I mean, I think you have to disangle that into two questions. When did you start working in lighting and when did you start becoming passionate about it? <laughs> I, I, I can tell you that, you know, those were two distinct moments. Two distinct things. Life. Okay. Well. Um, um, yeah, so as you rightfully said, um, I've, I've got a bit of a, an unusual background, which I think uh, in the... In the words of Steve Jobs, looking backwards, you know, you can connect the dots. And I, I think I've got some unique combination of dots that, that got me where I am today in an unplanned way. Um, so my original background was in machine learning and artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, before that was called deep learning and um, it was still basic statistics, basically. Um, great in computer science. So I, I graduated in that in the Netherlands. Um, then 
wanted to do something really innovative. We always launched some innovative product. So if you're Dutch and you look to launch some innovative products, then you know, Philips is the natural place to look. Um, so I, I basically had two choices, either go into algorithmic trading at AB and AMRO or you know, launch innovative products at Philips. That's the two choices as Dutch mine, so it became Philips. And this was 2007, so I think I made the right call given timing. Um, worked for Philips in the renovation department, touched a lot on lighting, um, then left Philips, um, Joe left to London, um, joined a boutique strategy consulting firm in corporate venturing, so really focused on launching disruptive businesses. Um, so there, really, my combination started to grow, and then I joined Felosylvania, which is one of the largest lighting companies in the world. They were looking for a head of strategy, um, and they saw this entrance of the IT world into the lighting world. So they were looking for somebody that understood both IT and lighting, and that could help them transform their company. So, so suddenly, I had those three elements. Um, built the smart lighting business there uh, rather successfully, left, and then, and then started Inji together with my co-founder. Wonderful. Well, I do want to talk about what your company is doing, but before we go there, let's take, a, a, I think, a relevant detour. And uh, I just want to uh, congratulate you on the TED presentation that you, you did, uh, touching on uh, how um, smart lighting can help us out of this uh, environmental crisis. And uh, uh, so I recommend anyone to, to, to watch it. You did a wonderful job there. Can you kind of distill what you were advocating in that uh, presentation? Because uh, it, it was not, I, I'm, uh, you know, definitely recognize the problem that we face with uh, climate change and doing what I can, but I never thought about light bulbs as a solution. So uh, how can lighting potentially help us with smart cities and uh, the environment? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, the key challenge that we see and you know, especially with with the the big, you know, uh, we, we're just with the big climate change and environmental issues we're seeing at the moment is that, you know, we we simply have to use our resources more efficiently, and if you just um, you know, so everybody always focuses immediately on energy consumption, you know, as the we have to reduce the energy, but if you think about it a little bit bigger, it's not about just making cars run more efficiently, it's about using less cars, uh, but still being able to enjoy the lifestyle as much as we can, yeah. right? And, and if you start looking around you in the world, actually, on a, on, a, on a larger scale, you just see so many resources being underutilized, right? It's, we, we can just use them much more efficiently. So if you, if you look at you know, buildings as an example, I mean, I think you know, the stats differ, but but you know somewhere around 50% of desks or office space at any given time is not being utilized. The problem is we just don't know which 50%, and we, we can't utilize it more efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, the same in in, in cities, um, you, know, you know, a very large percentage of traffic in a city is not actually transporting anyone. It's people trying to find parking spaces. So. If you would just be able to 
understand much more of what is being used at any given time and who needs what at any given time. And you can, in real time, match those. You know, you don't need to degrade any quality of our living, but you um, you can just much more efficiently use it. And you know, a lot of people are focused on oh, we can make buildings 50% more energy efficient. Yeah, but what if we could utilize 50% less buildings? Right. Mm-hmm. This is far yeah. more. Uh, effective way of looking at it. Um, so if you want to do any type of this kind of work, typically you quite quickly move into the Internet of Things space. You need to deploy a lot of sensors, right? You can see where the free parking spaces are. You can see where the cars are. You can see where the um, uh, which meeting rooms are being used. You can see where the people are uh, that need the meeting rooms. Um, but then the big trouble is, all right, then I need to deploy this humongous sensor network, which is very costly. Um, and if you want to roll these sensors out in any kind of efficient way, you need you typically start using wireless sensors in combinations with battery power, because that's the only way you can install them in an effective way. Until six months or a year down the track, when you have to replace all the batteries. Yes. <laughs> right? And And then the second one is, yeah, great this wireless network technology, but anyone that ever tried to use Wi-Fi in an office knows that you know getting reliable network coverage into every corner of a building or a city is actually really, really hard. Um, and there comes lighting, right there enters lighting. So lighting is everywhere. Lighting is always powered. Um, and so if you take these two properties and, and, and increasingly lighting is already being connected because we're already trying to dim it to, to turn the looming up. So there is already a communication module present. So if you take those together, you say, right, what if I would start putting some of those sensors in my lights? That then means that you know, there is no installation cost because at the moment I install the lights. I install the sensor as well, so no extra cost. Actually, the hardware cost is minimal because you can use the the housing of the lighting to put the sensors in. Um, you have no battery replacement because the energy cost of a sensor compared to a light point is so minimum. You don't notice, and you already got the communication chip in place, so you just need to utilize that in a more effective way so it can actually connect to the internet. And then for any sensors that can't connect or that cannot be placed inside the luminaire, just for physical properties, um, actually your luminaires have now cre- can now create this huge mesh network, right? So they basically each luminaire can become a wireless router mm-hmm. and repeat your signal. So even if you want to place a sensor, for example, you know you want to measure temperature, which you have to measure at 1.5 meters height, so you can't put it in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. But you can now make a sensor, and you can make this an energy harvesting sensor because all the sensor needs to do is connect to the first light point. Mm-hmm. And then that light point, together with all the other light points, can ensure it can always connect to the, LED, to, the, to the Internet. So your lights can also become a dedicated IoT network. Yes. And, and this way you can, you can roll these sensors out in an effective way that you need to, to really understand how to manage your buildings and cities in a more effective and, and carbon uh, efficient way. Very good. So you kind of uh, very cleverly uh, in- integrated the um, occupancy sensing for parking spaces with uh, 
occupancy uh, sensing for, for for desks and offices, and and that I think neatly uh, leads us to, uh, to to what your company is doing. Can you uh, outline a bit about what you do and don't do? Because uh, you know, lighting. There's lots of different. Um, components in a lighting system what what do you do in that ecosystem yeah um so first of all you know as a startup you've got to focus right so the first choice you've got to make in lighting is it outdoor or indoor right um because those that's completely different markets so we focused on indoor for for a variety of reasons um so we only with Inji, we only deal with the indoor space. Um, not to say there is not a great opportunity in the mm-hmm. outdoor space, mm-hmm. uh, but but we don't deal with it. Um, so uh, what we then focused on is we said the, the key to make such a thing work is to build an ecosystem a collaborative way, right? Because you basically want to have a whole range of sensors and sense all kinds of things. And then you want to get that data through your luminaires, and then you want to make that data available to um, to the you know, to the all kinds of different platforms that can help you know, that can do something with this data. If I can see the occupancy rate, I want to feed that into the um, the room booking system, but I also want to feed that into the the app that the cleaners use to schedule their work because they only have to clean rooms that are actually being used. Um, I want to feed that into the HVAC system uh, because then we can turn the HVAC on or we can reduce the the amount of HVAC cooling based on the amount of people being present. So you know you 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 really want to and you can't build all of this alone, right? That's that's just that's just not so you. You really want to make sure you build an ecosystem of players around you. So this is what we've done. So we said, look, what we're going to solve is we're going to solve one problem and solve it really well. So what we need to be able to do is make a mesh network with tens of thousands of light, you know, sensor points in one network. That needs to operate and it needs to be able to integrate very low cost into a luminaire because we can't make the luminaires twice as expensive because then you know, the whole idea doesn't work anymore. Um, and we're going to make sure that all that data is a- available in open APIs and we're going to build a partnership, you know, an ecosystem of people that can use that network. So we, we basically have a three-way platform model. So we make the software in the middle that goes into the luminaires. We license that to a whole range of luminaire manufacturers that use our software both to deliver lighting control so they can make their control their lighting, uh, turn the lights on and off based on daylight and occupancy. Um, we license it to sensor manufacturers that then can provide sensors that either can be integrated into the luminaire or can utilize the network of luminaires. Um, and we have partnerships with a whole range of portal providers that we can feed the data to and that can utilize it in different activities and, and value streams within the building to optimize them based on the data that we gather. So that sounds like quite a strategic position. And given your strategic past, then <laughs> that kind of makes sense. My guess is this, if I was Philips GE or, um, uh, um, gosh, uh, just escaping me. But uh, actually, we've had them on the show, so I'm uh, really kicking myself. But if I was one of those big lighting companies that made luminaires, I'd want to do that. Um, 
do are you uh, do you find yourself uh, competing with those giants? Um, well, I think without uh, <laughs> doing finger pointing, uh, <laughs> but what what we see is that some you know some of the the very biggest players so, uh, like Philips yes. um, you know, tend to have an believe that they can do this themselves yes um and and so we typically tend to come across them as as competitors yes um we see that we currently have a significant head start uh on them um and this is being confirmed by our customers that that we go head to head with them and and, mm -hmm. and we are being selected not in every case but but there's mm -hmm. a large part of the market where we can definitely compete um uh, but what we're seeing is sort of if you if you look at maybe one tier below it, the, the the very biggest giants, actually the lighting market is a very very uh, it, well it used to be a highly concentrated market, right? Mm -hmm. So before the introduction of LED um, for the for the non-lighting geeks like the yeah you know, the, the 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 new lighting technology, mm -hmm. the lighting used to be highly uh, concentrated. Um, so you had the three giants. Um, and and they were making the light bulbs and their values of scale really worked. But actually, with the introduction of LED, uh, value, you know, volumes of scale or, or don't work at all in the lighting industry. So you actually see now that there are tens of thousands of lighting players in the world, and that actually the the, the biggest ones have no longer have the big market share that they have. Huh? And if you look at the tier below it, there's lots of players that do 50 million, 100 million in revenue. Um, and for them to develop such an IT system is is far beyond their reach. Yeah. Um, so we're actually partnering um, with, you know, we look at the top 10 in Europe. Uh, I think we've now partnered with, with um, you know, one or two players in the top 10. And we've got, you know, very far discussions with another two or three in the top 10 in Europe. Um, that are saying, look, one, the investment is really big. You know, it's a significant investment. Two, it's a very different set of capabilities, right? We're a manufacturing company. We understand hardware. We don't understand software. This is a fair, uh, far away show for us. So, so we don't want to enter that space. We want to license it and, and, and put it into our luminaires, but don't build it ourselves. The, the skill cap is too big. And three, we. You know, we don't want a lock-in. You know, our customers don't want a lock-in. They want a system that they can buy from multiple luminaires right. and affect us. So you could uh, potentially run across Philips and Acuity was the name that I was yes. uh, searching for. And GE, is that part of the value proposition that you can uh, uh, help uh, an IoT system that uh, avoids being locked in by those giants? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Um, yes, and I mean, I think, um, you know, customers start to um, resist this on several fronts, right? They say, look, if I standardize my data infrastructure on your data infrastructure and then also locked into your luminaires yes and this i don't want um because you know the luminaires are a highly commoditized product so i would just want to be able to write a tender i want to you know i've got 100 you know, i've got 10,000 warehouses across of europe i want one i want to tender out you know those those hundreds or thousands of kilometers of light for an effective price. But if I, once I've selected your IT system, I'm now locked into you. I can't tender my lights anymore. I'm not, you know, I've I've got locked in and and then I'm, you know, that's just way too dangerous for my business. So, and, and therefore I want those two from a separate entity. Yeah, I've definitely seen that in talking to some of the one of the largest retailers in the world. They uh, suddenly found that their lighting provider had pulled off the cover and said, hey, by the way, we've got this IoT uh, um, control system, IoT connectivity that can uh, talk to beacons and so forth. And rather than being really pleased, they were really angry that this kind of strategic decision had been made for them and they they basically refuse to use it so (laughs) so i think uh what you're saying uh, rings true um rings true with me um i'm assuming that there are not other standards that doesn't your life become difficult because you have to uh, port your product to all these different luminaires or is that just the cost of doing business um no i mean um it's an interesting question right because a lot of people are asking right what you know this radio communication shouldn't that be an open standard right so we you know if you look 10 years ago everybody was running Zigbee uh, the Bluetooth mesh and I mean we're on the IP can show here so so the Bluetooth mesh um, is also a standard that's being pushed a lot um, over the last few years I mean it's still very early stages it's just been released it's, it's now getting first adoption um, but what we see in the market is, um, you know, if you want to do this for significant buildings, you need a wireless mesh standard that can scale to, to the sort of 10,000 unit scale, right? That's that's what you need to to do a large uh, office tower or or, or similar. Mm-hmm. And what we found, and and I mean, you don't even need to take my word of it. If you just look at the Bluetooth mesh standard and their own marketing, they're talking about 700 nodes, 1,000 nodes in a, in a mesh network. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we just see this gap. And, and the problem that you just see is that the, the standardization bodies are not able to, to innovate quick enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've done is we've taken the Bluetooth physical layer Mm-hmm. So we're using the same chips as Bluetooth, mm-hmm. which gives us all the cost advantages uh, of Bluetooth, but we've built our own mesh on top. And because we're not bound to a standard, we can innovate far, far faster and at far faster scale. 
with our Bluetooth, with our, with our mesh uh, technology. Um, and uh, because we're using the same Bluetooth chips, actually we can reuse a lot of the hardware designs. Uh, so any hardware design that is made for Bluetooth, we can uh, put our software on as well. Um, so, ah, fascinating. So uh, where? So you mentioned kind of the numbers, one thousand versus ten thousand, order of magnitude uh, scaling uh, difference for really big installations. Can you? point to any other things that kind of break down where, where are the gaps with bluetooth mesh that uh, that you find you're able to fill with your proprietary solution um i mean scale is is definitely number one uh the second thing what we see is um is the data throughput that you require on the network right so lighting control itself is really low data rate um, if you want to get some occupancy data out, still reasonably low data throughput. So this all goes around. But what we're seeing is that actually one of the biggest value adders is asset tracking, right? So what if you now, instead of turning every light into a beacon for, for example, indoor navigation, mm -hmm. very low throughput on your network, if you now want to trace iBeacons you know, integrated into a product mm -hmm. and you have... 10,000 nodes out there and you're going to try to triangulate them, then the amount of data you're going to put over your network is is humongous. Um, and, and we're able to do this with our with our state. So we, you know, we're currently rolling this out in, for example, hospitals. So we're putting uh, Bluetooth battery powered chips in on, on, on medical equipment and we can localize them with, with, you know, sort of five meter precision within the hospital. Um, and we're able to do this because um, our network is far, far more powerful. And I've, I have not seen, I mean, I'm not an expert on Bluetooth mesh, uh, but uh, I haven't seen anyone do anything like this with the Bluetooth mesh. And actually, um, we're seeing quite a few people now using similar Bluetooth mesh technologies as we're using uh, as the backbone network to yeah. get the asset tracking data out. No, that that uh, that makes sense. Um, you know, from our own point of view at uh, Williot, just to put my uh, uh, day job hat uh, on, we look at uh, like stores that might have a hundred thousand products and that could each have a, a battery-free Bluetooth tag on. So a hundred thousand uh, items can generate a lot of traffic, and so that's something. Uh, I don't think anyone's got a solution for that today, but that's something that I think will really test the uh, the mesh networks that are out there, and and to be frank, it will test us as well. So yeah, that's... so I mean, to just I mean <laughs> to freely pitch some of our capabilities. So one of the uh, you know sort of proof of concept or or you know testing our own system, what we did is one of the tests we did is we took 1,000 Bluetooth tags put them in one uh, cubicle meter, huh? and then we're able to identify all of them. That is fascinating. Okay, so 1,000 so, tags in a cubic meter, and um, you know, how long did it take to register all of them? Was that a, was it a few yeah, seconds, yeah, was it an hour, or? Um, the, yeah, I, I don't, I, yeah, you're over asking. You left to ask my CPO. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> well, um, anyway, the fact that it worked, and I don't, th you know, my sense is that uh, most people would be happy for over a period of time to get that. And, and actually, I think it's kind of we come across this um, difference 
quite a lot. Uh, you know, previously, if you wanted to tag things, you'd stick an RFID sticker on it. And that whole system was designed to scan a thousand tags in a second. But I think uh, with Bluetooth assets, whether they're tagged with battery powered tags or, or, or something else, if you've got a lighting infrastructure, you're not talking about someone pointing a gun at something, pulling the trigger and then needing to read everything instantly. You can actually have continuous tracking of assets and inventory because the uh, the readers are just, they're in the ceiling. They're constantly there. Uh, so yes. It's um, uh, very interesting. And this is what we saw with one of our clients in the hospital, right? So they were looking at uh, real-time asset tracking. Yes. And, and but they were not bound to a technology, right? They just yeah. said, look, we have so many beds, we just want to know where our beds are. Yeah. So whether we put Wi-Fi tags on there, RFID tags on there, Bluetooth tags on there, it doesn't matter as long as we know where our beds are. Yeah. And so they, they did you know, quite practical trials with all these kind of technologies. Um, and yeah, the, you know, the beauty of our solution was, well, the infrastructure is free, right? Because um, well, luckily for us, they didn't have any LED lighting yet. Um, so they were already looking to upgrade the lighting to put LED lighting in. So the luminaires are already play, paid for from a different budget, right? This is a different guy with a different budget that just has a budget to put LED lighting in, yeah. which pays for itself in five years anyway on energy. Yeah. That's that so puts the infrastructure in. And then after that, you can just see every wheelchair in real time in your office without you know instead of saying okay i now want to find a bed yeah i can run around with a gun um yeah completely different proposition uh, this is so important because if we look at as startups and technology prognosticators we're always looking at whether this technology is going to be successful or not and is it achieved escape velocity and the biggest uh, gravitational pull back to Earth to, for these things to crash and burn is uh, is infrastructure, the cost of the infrastructure. Yes. And I think what you're eloquently pointing out is that uh, IoT can get a real boost when essentially the infrastructure is being paid for with energy-saving ROI, and then you suddenly have this ubiquitous connectivity. And so then the question is, what do you do with it? So what are you doing with it? What to, t tell us about some of the projects that you were, you're working on. You talked about this hospital project tracking beds. Uh, you don't think about people losing beds, but they do. Wheelchairs and uh, all sorts of other equipment. What, what else uh, is uh, this idea being used for? I mean, we, I mean, a range of sectors is humongous, right? So hospitals is, is absolutely a key, key market just because the ROIs are so fantastic, right? So what we're now seeing with our clients is that they can save about 10 to 15% of the amount of medical equipment they need to buy. So 15% less beds and a bed in a hospital is about 10,000 euros, right? So... Um, that's humongous saving just by putting one tag on because remember the infrastructure is already paid for um, so you put one tag on and now you can do by 15% less and um, and then you know the, the nursing the time the nurses spend so on average there's a famous stat from the NHS in the UK um, that a nurse on average spends one hour every shift looking for stuff <laughs> wheelchairs trip feeds 
Um, I mean, one of the funniest anecdotes I heard in the hospital space was somebody telling me that actually people are hiding medical equipment under the ceiling plates everywhere in the hospital because they just want to make sure that if they need a drip feed, they will have their own private stash, right? So they're all walking around like squirrels hiding Amazing. all of medical equipment. I mean, imagine the saving you can achieve. You can actually find all this medical equipment. Um, um, so, so hospitals is huge, um, um, but we're not just doing asset tracking there, right? We're also doing occupancy analytics, air quality monitoring, uh, indoor navigation, huge uh, value to patients, right? If they can navigate inside the hospital. Um, the logistics market, so we're now working with some of the largest logistics parties in the world. Um, so, so tell it, yeah. How does that work? So, I, I'm I'm just sort of thinking through these use cases, and you've got the luminaire. It's listening for tags on assets. Got that uh, navigation. You've got the luminaire broadcasting out this kind of constellation of mini GPS satellites, so that your yep. phone can recognize where you are and how to get you to the consultant that you're due to see in five minutes. Um, but uh, with the logistics thing, how does that work? So logistics, I mean, this is a very interesting proposition, right? So if you are a well warehouse developer, um, basically your clients are now asking you for a smart warehouse, right? They want a warehouse full of sensors. And and you just see these warehouse developers sitting there because they're, you know, they're box builders. They literally just build square boxes. It's it's nothing more than that. And now somebody wants a smart warehouse and like, what am I going to do? So what if, you know, if you have, if we're basically going to them and saying, well, do you have got lights in your warehouse? Yes. Well, if you just spend that budget with me, it's not going to increase anything, but then your warehouse is already full with sensors. Fantastic. And they then go, go to their customers and say, right, this warehouse is now pre-equipped with an asset tracking solution. So this is a far more valuable warehouse. Yes. And then, uh, you know, they can then ask, a subscription to activate that service so it's an extra revenue stream and for the for the end customer it's brilliant because they can now do asset tracking so they can you know, track the roots of their uh, forklift trucks uh, and their goods and they can optimize uh, um, their routes in the warehouse because they can know exactly which goods are where um, at any given time they can uh, you know do indoor navigation because you know, if people are looking for certain goods, they can be directed to the right uh, location, so they can do um, uh, air quality is actually also a concern um, in those warehouses. Apparently, the, the uh, volatile organic components are very high with all the stuff going in. And if you take the logistics a little bit wider, not just box shifting, but if anything is happening to the boxes, so you know, light manufacturing or something, you can then follow products as they go through the different processing stations so you actually know whether a shipment you know if you have a picking order you can now actually give an indication of where that thing is in the picking order process if all the goods have been put on a basket and where the basket is is in the process um, so that's really interesting um, we're now moving into uh, educational so again, indoor navigation, I mean, we're not talking primary schools here, but, but also air quality monitoring, super important. Uh, you know, 
can we monitor the air quality in every room? Uh, we can just place lots of air quality sensors and we can basically have an independent view on the building management system saying, well, the building management system might say it's you know, the right temperature, but is this true? And you now have an independent sensor checking on the system. Um, cool. Um, and then, yeah, most recently we moved into chicken farming. Uh, yes, tell me about these chickens. <laughs> well, it's it's a really interesting market, and it really tells you something about you know where we are in the world. Because yes. what what we're now seeing is people saying, right, I've got these huge you know, chicken farms, mm -hmm. and you know I just want to make sure, hundred percent, sure that these the quality of those chickens. You know, that their quality of life is optimal, right? Because the better they are, the better they grow, the more production, the more eggs. Yes. So actually making life very comfortable for a chicken is very measurable in productivity, right? If you've got an office and you make people 10% more productive, well, can you fire 10% of the people? No. So you know, to make that business case to your CFO is actually a really hard business case to make. Yes. If I make a chicken more 10% more productive, I can measure that at the end of the day because I can just count my, I can literally count my eggs. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, um, so yeah, we're doing both lighting control so we can we can optimize the lighting to really make the, the space more effective for the chickens and the chickens really respond to this by growing faster, um, um, but uh, but and, um, and also producing more. But we can also, very importantly, is what you're seeing in the market now is that um, the uh, gas emissions of farming become more and more important. I don't I don't know what the situation is in the U.S., but currently in the Netherlands, uh, building projects are being stopped because of the gas emissions. So they they they, they have to measure. The gas emissions, um, and, and when again we can help them with it, and we can track the chickens or the cows, so we know how many meters every chicken walked. We know, you know, which how much they weigh. We 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 can measure the entire output, and it's it's really fascinating because I just remember the first time I pulled up at one of these chicken farms, and you know you pull up in the middle of nowhere being greeted by, you know, a farmer that, you know, is standing in his oval and then he says, all right, well, I'm going to my office and you walk into this chicken farm, you walk it through his house and then you walk into the office and you're like, is this like a CIA, like hideout farm? Because suddenly you've got like a wall full of screens. You're thinking, like, are you like trading on the Stock exchange. It's like, no, no, this is my data room, right? And it's like, this oh is a goodness. high tech data center where they, where you can see the growth rates of his chicken, the egg production, the food intake, the temperature, the everything. Oh my goodness. Well, that's so these are high data, high IoT enabled businesses and wow. they want the data infrastructure. I never knew. I mean, uh, that's fascinating. Well, it's, I, I'm comforted to hear that the, Health and happiness of chickens is important. Uh, the, Boris Johnson gave a recent speech where he painted a picture of a dystopian future with legless chickens, which to me seems like the whole point of eating chickens is that they have legs. But anyway, <laughs> but um, that's uh, that's uh, very good to hear that there might be some hope of a correlation between good business outcomes and uh, 
happiness amongst the uh, the chickens. And that uh, CIA data room is uh, is also fascinating as well. Gosh, I think we have to wrap it up here. But this has been uh, fascinating, a very uh, very very interesting journey from. Uh, uh, smart cities, um, uh, uh, lampposts uh, looking for empty parking spots through to smart buildings and uh, hopefully uh, environmentally more friendly to this very interesting thing that you've identified more clearly than I've heard elsewhere, which is the strategic opportunity, not just for the lighting uh, companies, but for the whole IoT industry with this infrastructure for free which is starting to blanket buildings so uh, Sebastian thanks very much excellent thank you very much well normally um, we ask what three albums you would take to uh, Mars but maybe I should be asking you what are the three best concerts that you've been to yeah I think I think for the recording I'll just stick to the <laughs> To the more corporate question. Okay. Uh, um, uh, which I actually prepared. Um, so, um, so the first one that came to mind was Spring from R&B, which I thought was, was a great song because you know you, you're going to be on this plane to Mars or yes. space to Mars. So yes. anything that sort of reminds you of sunshine and spring and and, and the beauty of nature, I thought was a was a brilliant. So the song is sure. called Spring, and the group is R and B. R and B. Okay, as um, opposed to okay, They're not yes. not familiar, but uh, that, that's a good excuse for me to uh, to find that uh, and listen to it. And so that's number one. What's number two? Um, no, then I thought it's going to be a, a very long journey. So if I can only drink three songs, then probably a very long song. It's going to be so this is one you're probably well i'm definitely sure you know so I, and, and i'm probably not the first one to come up with this i think this is box standard Android, but I, I yeah stairway to heaven came to mind it's great... you know be very applicable and very long so that you can use that on a on a big journey yes and you could learn to play it on a guitar or something and amuse yourself with that as well it's kind of yeah. the classical well, classic uh, beginners uh, aspirational thing to play Exactly, um, and then and then number three was well as I'm gonna you know have to miss my sort of business and in, in, in entrepreneurial work for you know at least two or three years, <laughs> um, I thought of bringing my my favorite business song if you can call it this, which is the Gambler from Kenny Rogers, which I think is a fantastic song to just keep in mind yeah you know, whenever you're doing in business and dealing with investment, I, I think that's my, you know, that's like the, the number one song to teach you about business and, and, and yeah, as this is still an entrepreneurial corporate uh, link, I, I, I love to put that one in. Very thought-provoking. I love that. Very good. Thanks very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.